from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 to 18. Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Well, hello, welcome Red Door family and whoever you are, wherever you're joining us from today, it's great to be with you as we jump into the book of 2 Corinthians. It's also great to be back with you after having two weeks of annual leave. The last couple of weeks were wonderful uh, time away with wife and kids. So thank you for giving us that time to get away. Uh, it really was a, a beautiful time, a time where I kind of reconnected with the reality that I have a great family, uh, that my family is precious and glorious. Just having a couple of weeks of uninterrupted, unfettered time with them, submersing myself in that uh, holiday time was just wonderful and it really reminded me what a gift of God my family is to me and uh, that kind of um, chimes with the passage that we're looking at this morning this idea that in this passage Paul is trying to wake the Corinthians up to the glory of the new covenant He's trying to remind them of what they once knew, perhaps at their conversion, that this gospel, this covenant that God has made with his people through his son is glorious, it's beautiful, it's precious, it's good news. And that's what he's trying to get, get across to them in this passage this morning. And so we're going to jump into 2 Corinthians 3. 7 to 18. I encourage you to have a Bible open so that you can track along with us. But um, before we get into the, the meat of the passage, there's a couple of things we need to understand. First of all, you need to understand that in writing this passage, Paul is using a kind of rhetorical device that was common, commonly used uh, in the first century, particularly among rabbis in teaching uh, Hebrew students. They would use this this style of teaching called uh, lesser to greater. And, and it would just be uh, making a point by saying, if this lesser thing is true, then how much more is this greater thing? Uh, in fact, our own rabbi, Jesus, used this over and again, as does Paul in his letters, as we'll see. But Jesus used it in, in places like Matthew 7, verse 11, where he says, um, 
If you fathers who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask him? So it's this, this use of the, the lesser to prove the greater truth. And so Paul's going to do that several times in our passage, so good to be aware that that's what's going on. The other thing we need to be aware of is some Old Testament history that Paul's hearers in Corinth would be very familiar with and instantly recognize in this letter, but that we might not be so familiar with. So I want to remind us of that Old Testament history before we get into the passage. And and that history has to do with uh, the event in which Moses goes up to Mount Sinai, leaves the people of Israel under the care of Aaron, goes up to Mount Sinai, and it's there that uh, he sees God in his glory. It's there that he receives the Ten Commandments and the law. And then he comes back down from the mountain after 40 days and 40 nights. And the people, when they see him, behold that he is radiating this glory, that his face is shining as a result of communion with God. And so let me just read... Uh, the last part of the passage from Exodus 34 that Paul is referring to in this, our passage, uh, Exodus 34, 29 to 35. As Moses descended from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, as he had descended the mountain, he did not realize that the skin of his face shone As a result of his speaking with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, the skin of his face shone. They were afraid to come near him. But Moses called out to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community returned to him, and Moses spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near, and he commanded them to do everything the Lord had told him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever Moses went before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. After he came out, he would tell the Israelites what had been commanded, and the Israelites would see Moses' face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went to speak with the Lord. So that's the Old Testament historical background for this passage that we're looking at today that we need to be familiar with. So you need to remember Moses, Mount Sinai, receiving Ten Commandments, face shining with glory because he'd been communing with God, and then the result being that the people of Israel couldn't stand to see his face. The glory was too much for them. It overwhelmed them. It made them afraid. And then Paul, with that story in our background, moves on, again, using the lesser to the greater teaching style in 2 Corinthians 3, 7 to 11. This is what it says. Now, if the, the ministry that brought death, chiseled in letters on stones, came with glory so that the Israelites were not able to gaze steadily at Moses' face because of its glory, which was set aside... How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry that brought condemnation had glory, the ministry that brings righteousness overflows with even more glory. In fact, what had been glorious is not glorious now by comparison because of the glory that surpasses it. 
For if what was set aside was glorious, what endures will be even more glorious. So again, he's using the example of the receiving of the law, Moses receiving the law on Sinai and the glory that shone from his face as a result. And he's doing the lesser to greater thing where he says, if that was glorious, how much more glorious is the new covenant that we have sealed in Jesus' blood? The new covenant between God and man. And so you need to be really clear. He's not saying old covenant bad, new covenant good. He's not saying that. In fact, he's saying old covenant glorious, new covenant even more glorious. So that's the first thing we need to understand when he says uh, when he uses this contrast he's not saying bad good he's saying glorious and even more glorious the reason in verse 9 that he says that the old covenant brought condemnation is is actually because the law though it was glorious though it was a good gift though it couldn't be improved upon it was a gift from god to his people Though all of that was true, it was powerless to enable the people to keep that law. So while the law itself was good, because of the sinfulness of the people, because of their hard-heartedness, they were unable to keep that law, and the law gave them no power to be able to keep it. That was the problem. The reason the people couldn't stare at the glory on Moses' face as it shone was not because there was anything wrong with the glory, but because of their own brokenness and and sinfulness, the blackness of their hearts, the stiff-neckedness and disobedience that was part and parcel of being Israelite. And so the problem wasn't with the glory or with the law, it was with the people and their hearts. And the issue with the law, though it was good, was that it, it had no power within it to help the people keep the law. And so this is why Paul is saying, look, even though that was glorious, how much more glorious is this which we have now, the new covenant? In the new covenant, God not only tells us the way he wants us to live and shows us through Jesus the way that we ought to live, but he empowers us by his spirit to be able to walk in his ways. In the New Covenant, not only are we saved, reconciled to God apart from the law, apart from our obedience to the law, but we are then empowered by the Spirit in in order to be enabled to walk in God's ways. And this is the very same thing that has Moses just overcome and overwhelmed with joy in Romans chapter 8, in in Romans 8, 3 to 4. He speaks of this when he says, What the law could not do, since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. So what the law could not do, because it was weakened by the flesh, that is, by the people trying to keep the law, the law itself was weakened because the people trying to keep the law were of the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering. 
in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That's what he's getting at here in this passage. The glory of the new covenant surpasses that of the old because it not only saves us apart from words chiseled on stone, but it enables us by the Spirit to live according to God's will and God's ways. So it's not bad covenant, good covenant. It's actually glorious covenant, more glorious covenant. And so he says, remember in verse 10 of this passage, he said, in fact, what had been glorious is not glorious now by comparison because of the glory that surpasses it. He's saying this new covenant wrought in Jesus' blood, sealed in Jesus' blood, extended to us by grace through faith, this new covenant is so glorious that it just completely outshines the glory of the glorious old covenant. Thinking about this, I'm reminded of my wedding day. Renee and I are in our 15th year of marriage now, but I can distinctly remember that day when we were married, particularly the, the ceremony in the church that we had grown up in. And I remember clearly uh, standing up there with my groomsmen and my, my two brothers and, and my friend Stewie. We were standing up the front there. We got there early because we, we thought, you know, we want to maximise the time where people are actually looking at us. And so, you know, we had scrubbed up pretty well. For guys in their early to mid-20s, we, we were looking pretty good on the day. Like we had washed. Uh, I'm pretty sure I sh- had shampoo and conditioner uh, in effect that morning and you know suit tie little flower thing hanky thing you know we were we were we were looking pretty good and uh i remember spending quite a bit of time up the front there just kind of winking at people and you know letting them bask in my glory and um all of that stopped like that when renee entered the building and uh, like I'm, I'm not exaggerating or over, this is no, there's no rhetorical flourish here when I say that like I, I was breathless. It was like I'd been gut punched when I saw her walk into the room because she was radiant. Like I, I obviously I already knew that she was beautiful, but when she walked into the church wearing that dress, radiating joy at finally arriving at this occasion it just it was resplendent it was it was it was glorious it was radiant and all of a sudden any kind of glory or radiance that we had us boys up the front there was just put in the shade as she walked into that room and rightly so similar thing happened to us this past couple of weeks we were down at Cows uh, for our annual leave for a holiday and uh, it was really beautiful. The, the weather was great down there. It was clear, it was sunny, it was cold, uh, but it was beautiful. And, and each night we would make a, a short walk from where we were staying down to the beach and see the sun setting over the water. And 
one particular night uh, about a week back there was this huge moon I don't know if it was a super moon or what it was but it was this enormous moon that was rising up over the water in the east and so we spent some time just looking at that moon it was full and it was clear and it was radiant and it was kind of yellowish in color and beautiful but there was a point where we turned from looking at the moon and turned west to the setting sun and all of a sudden the radiance of the moon was put back in its place next to the the glory of that setting sun and actually we kind of came to realize that any radiance that the moon had was actually derivative of the sun itself and that's what Paul's saying here he's saying yeah that old covenant was was beautiful it was radiant it was glorious but next to the glory of the new covenant its glory is surpassed he wants the corinthians to know he wants us to know and to remember and to experience this new covenant this gospel this 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 grace extended to us through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He wants us to experience that in all of its radiance, its beauty, and its glory. And so having sort of established that truth, he's going to go on now to, to describe what his ministry and what the, the ministry of the church looks like in this new covenant era. And so he goes on in verse 12 to 16. He says, Since then, we have such a hope. We act with great boldness. We are not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from gazing steadily until the end of the glory of what was being set aside. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains. It is not lifted, because it is set aside only in Christ. Yet still, today, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. What he's saying here, and it's, it's kind of tricky for us to understand, it's a little bit complex and convoluted, but the big idea is this. In Moses' ministry, though it was glorious, he was the only one who experienced the glory of God. Yes, he went and met with God, experienced God's glory and his mercy and his justice, his compassion, his, his magnificence. But when he came back down the mountain, even just the reflection of his glory, of God's glory, was too much for the people of Israel. He had to veil it. So only he was the beneficiary of God's glory in that sense. Paul is saying, now everything's changed because of the new covenant. Now, because all of us have been justified apart from the law, because all of us have been imbued with the Spirit of God, because all of us share in God's glory, now everything has changed and so he says, we speak with great boldness. We want to make this, this truth clear to people, particularly those who are veiled, particularly those who, who can't see the truth, the magnificent, glorious, good news of the gospel. We, we want to be bold. We want to be clear. We want to be open about the glorious truth of the new covenant. 
And then he says, the result of all of this, of living in this new covenant, of being um, recipients of God's spirit, as well as his justification and his adoption, the result of all of that is that we ourselves can experience God's glory. So he goes on, 17 to the end. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so he says, in this new covenant, unlike the people of Israel in the old covenant who couldn't stand to see the glory and and had to be veiled from them, Now, in the new covenant, as a result of the work of the Lord who is the Spirit, we, with unveiled faces, are able to behold the glory of God. And the result of our beholding the glory, the result of our being able to meditate on and experience God's glory, is that we are transformed from glory to glory. We are being transformed into the likeness, into the image of God himself. This is the work of what we call sanctification. And it's transformation through observation. Do you see that? Transformation through observation. He says, we all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror Right? It's, not, it's not a perfect picture that we're going to have in the new creation where we'll see the glory of the Lord face to face. But he says, we all with unveiled faces, no veil between us and God's glory, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. And it's all a gift from the Lord who is the Spirit. It's transformation through observation of that which is supremely glorious, that is Jesus. So the question for us now as New Covenant people is, is, is really like, are you experiencing that transformation? It's a tricky one for us to answer because we know that in the Christian life we go through peaks and valleys and there are times when we feel really close to the Lord and others where we just feel like we there's a veil we can't see him or his glory we can't experience his goodness or his love but the question remains are you slowly but surely experiencing transformation heart level transformation That was the promise of the new covenant, remember. Going way back into the old covenant, the the promise of the new covenant was that Jesus was going to come, fulfill all of those covenants that had gone before, give us something um, something more glorious, something that would transcend all of those other glorious, beautiful covenants, that he would, in his life, death, resurrection, fulfill those covenants and usher us into a new covenant where we ourselves would receive the Spirit. 
The law of God would not be any more written on stone tablets, but on our hearts. That we would experience an intimacy with God that the old covenant people could only dream of, that Moses himself could only dream of. The question is, are you experiencing that intimacy now? Are you using the methods that God has given, the means of grace that God has given, so that through observation you would experience transformation? Now, if you're wondering what those means of grace might be, we would again just refer you back to our series earlier in the year, looking at the way of Jesus. Jesus demonstrated for us a way to live each day that would open us up to God's grace and his glory, that would enable us through observation to experience transformation. One idea that I just want to leave with you this morning one little tip, and again, there is so much, like an, a, a bottomless well that you can dive into in terms of, 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 of um, availing yourself of means of grace. But the one thing I want to just share with you this morning is just a simple little tip, which is Bible before phone. Bible before phone if you take this one little thing on and employ it in your daily life i promise you yeah i would be bold enough to promise you that you will experience a greater level of intimacy with god not to mention a reduction in anxiety and worry but a corresponding over time, slow transformation of your heart into greater Christ-likeness as you observe the glory of God if you take on the truth, the maxim, Bible before phone. It's as simple as this. If you are alive today in 2020, you most likely, first thing you do when you wake up is roll over, pick up your phone, Press the little button and go to whatever, whatever is most at the forefront of your mind. Maybe in this time of COVID-19, maybe you go to the news. You want to see how many people got infected in Victoria yesterday. How many people in our shire were infected yesterday? What's the death toll at right now? Maybe it's that. A lot of that is driven by worry and anxiety and a desire for control that you don't have anyway. Maybe it's something far more light and insubstantial. Maybe it's going to social media. Maybe you just need to see if anyone tweeted at you. Did anyone like my Instagram post, right? What, whatever it is, whatever's driving you to pick up your phone is the first thing you do. God help you if it's email. Lord, please save anyone who goes to email first thing in the morning. That will destroy you. Um, Bible before phone. Leave your phone there. Even better, leave it in another room. And go to the word of God so that you might observe the glory of Jesus, which radiates from his word. Spend time, even if it's just reading a single psalm, 
a single chapter from the Gospels, meditating on it for even a few minutes, thanking God for his mercies which are new each morning, and then setting forth into the day. I promise you that if you employ that small switch in daily habit, you will indeed, in addition to experiencing less anxiety and worry and more intimacy with God, you will, as you behold the glory of the Lord in his word and in his means of grace, God's word promises us that as we do that, we will experience a transformation from glory to glory. From who I once was into the image of God himself. This new covenant reality that we're living in is glorious, far outshining even the gloriousness of the old covenant And so I hope that this morning you've been able to reconnect with that truth, the good news, which truly is good. I hope that drives you now as you maybe sing songs of praise or or pray prayers of thanksgiving. May, May that drive you into a real experience of glory and thanksgiving. I'm going to pray for us now and, uh, and then we'll be done. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for this letter of 2 Corinthians. We thank you for the heart of Paul for his church and your heart for our church. And we pray that as we meditate on these words, that they wouldn't only be made clear to us, but that they would actually change us. That as we observe your glory in this new covenant, We would be changed from glory to glory. We would be changed to better reflect your son, our saviour, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Bless you.